My subject this morning is Jesus is our good shepherd. Now in this passage, we're going to see two more of the I am statements that John uses throughout this gospel. We've already seen him use Jesus um, already record where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Here, he makes two statements, one that is probably easier to understand than the other. He says, as is the title of my message, he says, I am the good shepherd. But he also says, I am the door. John chapter 10, I'll begin reading in verse number one. And most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens the sheep and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke. We'll stop there for a moment. Before diving into this passage, it really would be helpful to understand the sheep industry in first century Rome. In those days, most people had sheep, but they didn't have a lot of land. So they would take care of their own sheep during the day, but many families didn't have a lot of people to be able to do different shifts and watch them by night. So they would have in most communities a large pen that was for the entire community. And at the end of the day, the people would bring their smaller individual flocks and lead them into this sheepfold that was pretty much by the community. And there would be a paid gatekeeper who would stay with the sheep during the night. And in the morning, the gatekeeper would open the gate only to those who were true shepherds who had paid to have their, sheep's in, their, their sheep in there. And when the shepherd entered, all he saw was sheep. Now, I don't know about you, but sheep, white woolly sheep, white woolly sheep, looks the same to me. But what the shepherd would do is he would begin to call to the sheep. And, and it worked. The sheep that were his would come to him because they knew his voice. And because during the time during the day when the shepherd who owned the sheep took care of them, he would constantly be talking to them and caring for them and speaking to them so that they would clearly know his voice. And many who were even more caring and more nurturing toward their sheep would even give their sheep names. His sheep followed him out because they knew him. And Jesus uses this illustration repeatedly throughout the Gospels of being the shepherd and the sheep following him simply because they know and recognize his voice. Now there's another significant difference between the way sheep are cared for today and the way they were cared for in ancient Israel. Today, sheep are cared for usually in large groups by a bunch of dogs and to keep them within a certain framework and in a certain circle. 
And in those situations, the sheep are driven. The dogs drive them to where the shepherd wants them to go. In ancient Israel, the way the sheep were cared for and the way they stayed together is they were not driven. They followed. The, the, the shepherd simply led. And if one of the sheep got started to go astray, the shepherd would simply call to it. And that worked because, again, the sheep knew the shepherd's voice. The sheep knew that the shepherd's voice represented provision. The sheep knew that the shepherd's voice represented protection. The sheep knew that the shepherd's voice represented home. Sheep didn't follow strangers. Sadly, so many and way too many in the church do. They follow strange voices today. The strange voice of popularity. The strange voice of being accepted by the current culture that we live in. The strange voice of just wanting to fit in. The strange voice of not wanting to stand out. The strange voice of fear. We have so many voices vying for our attention, but the only voice that matters or should matter to the people of God is the voice of our shepherd, Jesus Christ. The sheep back then didn't follow strangers. They didn't follow strange voices. And I'm sure many would agree today we are surrounded by some pretty strange voices. So many strange voices get followed, and I've never understood it. But none of those strange voices can care or provide or protect like the voice of following the shepherd. People can try and convince you and I all day long that to follow a different way will bring them peace and prosperity, will bring them calm and comfort. You can have all you want. I'm going to follow the voice of Jesus. That is the only voice that can ever claim for me to be the good shepherd. Every other voice is just simply strange. John chapter 10. Join me now in verse number 7. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and come out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep and am known by my own. Thank you, Lord. Here Jesus says, I am the door. So not only is... He the only best source of provision and protection. He is the only way into the sheepfold overall. Salvation is only found in Jesus Christ. 
Now, I am all for and will continue to be in my own life and encourage others to be as well, to be respectful and kind to people who think different things. I am always willing to listen to almost, almost any other mindset. But when it comes right down to it at the end of the conversation, from what I see in the Word of God and what is foundational to the Christian way of thinking and life, there is only one way, and his name is Jesus. He makes that clear bluntly and then in various illustrations. And here he says, I am the door. Any other way is the way of a thief and a robber. Now this to our world is going to sound extremely exclusive. That doesn't sound like you're gathering people together. That sounds like you're limiting. That sounds even bigoted in some way. It sounds exclusive to us at times. I've known many people who embrace it, but they have this sense within them that they're trying to gather people together for unity. They're trying to bring people into one place, and they still have this issue with the fact that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father but by me. I like it when people play nice too. I still remember our kindergarten report cards that one of the best grades I always got was works and plays well with others. And I would always show that grade to my parents long before I would show them any math or English or other scores. Works and plays well with others. And we like it when people work well and play well with others. But I'm not going to sacrifice our human sense of dignity and of unity so that we ignore the fact that Jesus said, I am the only way. I am the door. And the only way into his sheepfold is through him. And I've said it before. If it really, really bothers you, talk to the person who said it. And he's be, he would love to talk to you. Because this is being said by the Son of God. Not by just a preacher on Sunday morning. The one who died for all of humanity. Jesus' atoning death on the cross was not so that he could provide an option. He was providing the way, the only way. He was not providing a possible life solution. He was providing the way. So many other things try to offer satisfaction and happiness. So many other places and people try to offer peace and love. So many other places claim they can offer you beauty and fulfillment. They're liars, they're thieves, they're robbers. The only place that can be found is in Jesus Christ. They can all offer that, but only Jesus can deliver in this life and in all things eternally. He is the good shepherd, and the reality is he is the only shepherd. All else are thieves that will steal and destroy. Verse 10, he came that we might have life, and, he went, and, that, and that we might have it more abundantly. That word in Greek for abundantly literally means going past the expected limit. Our best life is in Jesus. Anyone's best life is in Jesus. To emphasize it, he makes it clear both in verse 11 and in verse 14 that he is the good shepherd. 
Now, does this mean we will understand everything about our Christian faith? Nope. Does that mean we will understand all the places he leads us? No. Does that mean we will understand all the seasons he allows you and me to go through? I'm still trying to figure out where in the scriptures it says, Hiram, your back's going to hurt at one point in your life. <laughs> I have not found it. So there are many things I don't understand. Does that mean we will always understand all the things that happen in the world around us and all the pain that we see and all the pain brought and sorrow brought on those who are the most vulnerable around us, especially on children? Am I going to understand every school shooting or every mall shooting? I'm not going to understand a lot of things. But what I don't understand will never change what I do understand. And I do understand that Jesus is Lord. Amen. I'm not going to understand things any more than the sheep in the sheepfold know what is on the mind of the shepherd. All I know is his voice. And his voice is the voice of my shepherd. Interestingly, in declaring that he is the good shepherd, the contrast is not with the shepherd and thieves. The contrast in that part of John 10 was between the shepherd and the hireling. The hired hand, the one who was there to care for the sheep at night, and he points out that when trouble comes, don't expect the hired hand to hang around. He's going to run as quickly as his feet will take him. I'm sure everybody here has good friends. And you also have so-called friends. Or as I've been saying lately, you have true friends and then you have social media friends. Oh, I could camp there for a while. I really could. We have friends who when trouble comes close to you, they will come closer to you. And we all have friends that when trouble comes, all of a sudden they can't remember how to spell your name. They run away. That's often how you measure the the depth of a good friend is not the good times you share, but the bad times you share. And when the master of the flock is tending to his sheep during the day and a wolf comes, the master will get in between the wolf and the sheep and lay down his life if necessary to protect every single member of his fold. That's what good friends do. They run towards you when messes come. Even if the mess was completely your fault, that doesn't matter because they're your good friend. A hired hand tells the defenseless sheep, see ya. <laughs> the hired hand runs because for him it's just a job. For good friends, you're more than just a friend, you're a family. The hired hand has no investment in the relationship with the sheep. And that's how I know who my dearest friends are. They're invested in me. And I want to be invested in them. That's 
the good shepherd. He is invested in you. John chapter 10. We'll finish the passage I want to do today, starting in verse 15. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and lay down my life for the sheep. And the other sheep I have, which are not of the fold, them I also must bring. And they will hear my voice, and they will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore my Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. The command I have received from my father, therefore there was division among, again among the Jews because of these sayings. And many of them said, he has a demon and is mad. Why do you listen to him? And others said, there are, these are not words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind. So much in that one passage. But when it comes down to it, not only is Jesus the good shepherd, he's a proven good shepherd. He has laid down his life for you and for me. And aren't you glad he watches over us each and every day? As we sang, he walks with us. The wonderful song in the garden. And he talks with us. And he tells us we are his own. When we hurt, he hurts. When we're joyful, he is joyful. And one important point in this passage is that Jesus lays down his life voluntarily. He laid down his life, the authorities toward the end of each gospel, as they put him on trial, thought they were in control. But Jesus makes it clear, I lay down my life and I will bring it up again. Aren't you glad that Jesus is in control and it's not the world we see around us? He laid down his life for us to save us from something that was far worse than the evil in our world. He laid down his life to save us something that is far worse than thieves and robbers who come to steal and destroy. He laid down his life to save you and me from the judgment of Almighty God. Now there are a lot of voices out there. A lot of voices. There are a lot of voices outside the church. Sadly, there are a lot of voices inside the church. I am often more shocked by the voices inside the church than the ones outside. Because the ones outside, I don't expect sanity from them. They don't. I expect insanity outside the church. It's when I see it and hear it inside that it, I am puzzled. Poise, uh, uh, an example. I remember this from when I was a, uh, 17, 18, when I first heard about it. I never, never understood that whole prosperity gospel. I never understood this name it and claim it, I'll call it what it is, nonsense. Being a Christian should never be looked at as a get-rich-quick scheme. That doesn't make any sense. 
And the most shocking part of it all is in the Gospel of Luke where Jesus says, blessed are the poor. And then when he says, life is more than what we wear and life is more than what we eat. Now, we need to be clear. There's nothing inherently more spiritual about being poor. And there's nothing inherently evil about being rich. There's nothing inherently spiritual or evil about either state. They're a financial state. What will always matter is the condition of the heart in each place. It is our attitude and our state of being that will always matter a whole lot more to God than our financial status. But he is the one who laid down his life. And with all this wonderful illustration, he was still surrounded by people who just didn't get it. So don't be surprised when you get surrounded by people who just don't get it. They just can't see it. They're asking the crowd that's following him, it's so clear to us that he's a demon. Why do you follow him? And their response to them, back to the leaders was, you go open blind eyes and we'll follow you. Now, at some point later, I will put together a message about just following miracles, but that's not for today. But we've got to be careful about just following the things we see. They still have to line up with the word of God. But we are talking today about the good shepherd. And what message on the good shepherd could be complete without looking at one more passage that talks about our shepherd, Psalm 23. So turn with me there, Psalm 23. And it'll be on the screen as well. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Forever. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Anyone ever been in a position where you were sitting down trying to relax and all your mind kept telling you is all the things you should be getting up and doing? I know, that's only when we're awake we feel that way. Usually when we're asleep we've passed out and it doesn't matter. But it's interesting to me that it doesn't say that he helps us lie down, he makes us lie down. Because there are times in our lives when we need to stop and just focus on the Lord. I am all for attending seminars. I am all for going on retreats. I am all for doing studies. I am all for going to a conference. These are wonderful things. But I just see so many Christians trying to go here and trying to go there just so they can know God. And God has made it clear. If you want to know him, be still. And know that he is God. And I just think we spend so little time being still. 
almost to the point where we've looked at it as being lazy. No, being still is not being lazy. When I'm trying to get in touch with Jesus, being still has a purpose. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. We could all use that sometimes when we get weary, when we just look around us and it's just overwhelming sometimes. And it does, it, it gets that way. We look at the nonsense, we look at the hate, we look at the division, we look at the anger, we look at the crime, we look at all the different scenes. And it would be wonderful if we could just pray one prayer and it would just all go away. But we need to realize we don't want our mental state and our spiritual state to be dependent upon what's going on around us. It doesn't say he restores the environment. He restores my soul so that I could be basically at peace and closer to him even in the midst of a mess. And I think we'd all agree, you and I live in a mess. His rod and his staff comfort me. Shepherds back in Bible days had two sticks. They were big sticks. One was the rod and one was the staff. The staff is what he used to tend to the sheep. When, he, when the sheep got out of line, he would tap them with the staff. And everything I could read as far as research is that it was always a tap. He never beat the sheep with the staff. So anyone who tells you that Jesus has beaten them up, I don't know where they're getting that from. That might be conviction on their part, but that's another conversation. So that was the staff. The rod was used to defend the sheep against predators. So our good shepherd is able to defend you and correct you and keep us in line all at the same time. Hallelujah. And because of it, I fear no evil. Does the evil around me concern me? Yes. Do the things that I see every time I go through the subways of Manhattan concern me? Yes. Do they frighten me? No. I am not afraid of them because I never travel through the subways of New York City alone. I mean, they're always crowded, but you know what I mean. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. We have been so blessed. We have been so protected. We have been so provided for. By whom? The Good Shepherd. Do we have struggles? Some of them massive struggles. Yeah. But I was looking through some of my old files this past week, and I came across some of the preparation I'd, I've done over the years for some of the missions trips I've gone on. And what I do is not just to prepare messages, but I want to learn about what is, is the state of today in the place where I'm going. So when I learned about what, I, what was going on in the Philippines when I was there, or in Indonesia when I was there, or in Kenya or Zimbabwe in the times I've been there. And I don't want to diminish what anyone is going through. But the truth is, I've never seen struggle like I've seen in some of these countries. 
I, I just never have. And yet, in most of them, I've never seen joy in the heart of a Christian like in their hearts. Because it's the joy of the Lord that becomes their strength and it's strength they need. Surely goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. You ever known someone who believed that there was a black cloud that was following them all the days of their lives? That every place they went, no matter how much the sun was shining before they got there, it started to rain. I've known people like that. I've known Christians like that. And I'll admit there have been seasons of my life when I felt that way. But the truth, which is not always how I feel, the truth and reality of my Christian existence is that surely goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. I will not just visit. I will not just stop by for coffee. I will dwell. I will take up residence. I will make my permanent abode in the house of the Lord forever. Church, that's the good shepherd that we have. We still struggle. And there are questions that I don't have answers to. That's why life has taught me to be okay with the phrase, I don't know. Because there's just so much I don't know. But there are things I do know. And that's Jesus is good. Amen. And I'd rather be in his sheepfold than in any other one. Stand with me, please.